Open with me in your copy of the Word of God to 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. We'll be in chapter 3 today, verse 7. In the course of any letter that we may preach through as we're working through 1 Peter, he will come across topics and he will address individuals. And there are occasions in which we are listening in on the Word of God directly to somebody in the room in their role, in this case, to husbands, as last week it was to wives. But it concerns all of us because as we speak the Word of God to one another, this is the Word that ought to be on our lips as needed as we encourage and warn and spur one another on. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, God's Word for us today. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's such little material here, as we noted last week, and so much material for the ladies. I wonder if Peter knows how this comes off. It comes off like he's just throwing a little something at us and then moving on quickly. Uh, On Saturday nights, I go to bed before the family, and I'll usually tell the kids what verse I'm preaching or text I'm preaching in the morning, and they are to read that together and then pray for me and pray for the church. And they're pretty faithful to do that. And last night, I grabbed Madeline. I go, Madeline, I'm going to bed. Uh, It's 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And she just looked at me like I wasn't done. Usually there's a through and then the next verse. And she goes, one verse, Dad? (laughs) How are you going to do that? Well, there's so little material here. But there is so much going on here, isn't there? Peter writes, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Honor the woman as a weaker Vessel. Already, we don't like this verse for a variety of reasons. If for any reason, we're not even quite sure what it entirely, entirely means. But again, that's why I'm here to help you. And that's why I went to bed early last night. Now, our prayer today is that God would help us to receive his word as good and beautiful and true and without hesitation and without begrudging, and without uh, difficulty. And by God's Spirit, He makes us the kind of people that can, that can do that. Hope in the gospel makes a good husband. And a good husband manifests in his conduct toward his wife the gospel's great hope. Men, we've got two jobs, and we've got two motivations. We'll keep it simple for the men. Two jobs. Husbands, husbands, you have two jobs as a husband. If we had to put it in half a sentence as Peter did, we would put it like this. One, live with your wives in an understanding way. And two, honor the woman as the weaker vessel. Two jobs. You've seen the meme You have one job, not for you. Men, you have two jobs to live and to honor. So let's unpack these together. First, live with your wives in an understanding way. If only he had just said, husbands, live with your wives, then this would have been a fairly straightforward command. It would have been a matter of geography, It would have been a matter of where the bed is and where the fridge is and where the bank account is and where the TV is and and sharing those things together, living together. We are, after all, to leave our father and mother and to cleave to our wives. And that, at a minimum, would involve living together. Husbands, live with your wives. Oh, if it were that easy. Nobody says, live with your wives in an under standing way. And this assumes a few things. This assumes that there is an appropriate way to live with your wife and there is an inappropriate way to live with your wife. 
There is a right way to live with your wife, and there is a wrong way to live with your wife. We don't live with our wives, husbands, uh, as we may live with something that is our possession in any fashion we want, to tend to it as we like and to neglect it as we feel. No, they are our wives, but they are not our possessions. They are our wives, and we are their husbands. And so we're addressed as husbands. So it assumes there's a right and a wrong way to do this. It assumes there is some some knowledge to be had in order to do it right. There's a right and a wrong way to go about this, living with your wife, and, and there's a certain knowledge that is required to go about it in the right fashion, in a skillful, wise, and appropriate fashion. Now, the good thing about this so far is that, guys, we are super great at gaining knowledge. We demonstrate this, and our wives know it full well all the time. Uh, Even in this very room, we have no shortage of experts and no shortage of fields. Uh, Some of you are experts at luring uh, and catching and filleting fish uh, and then eating fish and serving fish to your family. I got a little bit of that growing up and forgot all of it. And my neighbor moved in across the street, and he's got a little small raft boat thing upside down in his front yard. And uh, it reminds me that a man can fish. He can, he can take that little raft in the back of his truck and be fishing in about a half an hour. We've talked about it. And I might join him and embarrass myself. I have been fishing before, but it's not my thing. Well, some of you are really good at that, experts at catching fish. Some of you are experts at programming computers. Uh, speaking one of, with one of you this morning, uh, very good at CSS and uh, HTML. I'm sure you didn't mention that. Uh, C++++. Uh, and I said, you're good at those. I've known about those since the 90s when I was a kid. He goes, well, there's the other ones like Ruby and Python, but I don't know those. So maybe some of you know Ruby and Python. But you're good at all kinds of things, acquiring knowledge, the ability to program a robot and a computer, which is basically what a computer is. Uh, You're good at finance, experts at that kind of thing, where the stocks are, how they move, when to make a move. You text your friends, sell now, buy now. uh, I know a lot about finance and about that critical principle that's not so obvious about buying low and selling high. Does anyone know that one? Okay, you can thank me. You buy, you buy low and you sell high, and then you find a friend who watches the stocks, and they tell you, buy now, it's low. Anyhow, some of you are experts at acquiring the knowledge of how the markets work. All of us are experts at viruses now, of course, and we're all right. Uh, Some of you are experts moving on to coffee. Uh, Some of you are experts at the pour over. Uh, How exactly to handle the coffee and the beans, and you can talk about it, and you're just amazing. And for your wife to watch you do this uh, is proof that you have the ability to acquire knowledge. Some of it only so useful. There are quicker ways to get coffee, like the Keurig I used on Sunday mornings for you all. Some of you are experts at football. There's a new thing called the red zone. Who knows what the red zone is? I know what the red zone is now, maybe. So at least what I'm talking about in this case is uh, a service that you can purchase uh, for Sunday afternoon where a commentator will switch between, I don't know, half a dozen different football games, taking you to when the plays are in action and running commentary on it all afternoon. It's wonderful. So not only are you good at acquiring knowledge of football and various sports, you're good at acquiring the knowledge of how you may obtain a service like this, and then you're good at multitasking while you acquire the knowledge of six games at one time in the space of an afternoon. It's amazing. You all are amazing. Guys, you're amazing. You are good at acquiring knowledge. That's what this means here. Live with your wives in an understanding way, more literally, according to knowledge is what he's saying. Live with your wives according to knowledge. This whole little passage here assumes there's a right and a wrong way to live with your wife, and there is some knowledge that must be acquired in order to do 
it right. There's three kinds of knowledge as I meditated on this that I would suggest to you. And the first is, husbands, you should live with your wife in a, in a way that accords with the knowledge of God, that knowing God. When John Calvin began his famous Christian Institutes with the well-known line, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But while joined by many bonds, which one proceeds and brings forth, the other is not easy to discern. But you've got two kinds of knowledge in the world that you need and, and that everything boils down to. It's the knowledge of God and it's the knowledge of yourself. And so men know the word and know the ways and know the wonders of God. This is step number one in growing to be a better husband. You might be gashing, don't do this, but bashing your head against the wall. How can I be a better husband? And maybe all your thoughts are about, my wife is so hard to be a good husband to. We'll get to some of those things. It's all mostly on you. Uh, but, but whatever the case might be where you feel a little stuck in your husbanding, well, job number one is to grow in your knowledge of the word, the wonders, and the ways of God. All knowledge consists in the knowledge of self and the knowledge of God, and they are inter. Twined. So reach for a Bible. Read the Bible. Be a student of the Word. Now, this doesn't mean you have to know more of the Bible than your wife. You might be a new believer. You might have married a woman that grew up with Sunday school, and it's all in her brain, and you always feel behind. You can know the Lord, and you can know Him truly, and she doesn't know Him as well as she might think, and she probably doesn't know Him as well as you think she knows Him. We'll all know God perfectly one day, but you can know him truly right now. And you don't need to be insecure in what you don't know about the Bible. God has put you in a role in your marriage. And he's made you your wife's closest companion. And job number one is for you to know the Lord and to know him better. To explore every day his wonders and his ways revealed to you in the word. And if you don't do this, there's a cost for this. Because if you're not seeking the knowledge of God, you will relate with your wife and live with your wife, not in a way that accords with the knowledge of God, but with the feudal ways handed down by your forefathers. So you're being taught all the time about the way the world is and the way you are and the way your wife is and what marriage is and what a man is and what a woman is. There's constant instruction on this and every billboard and every article and every channel and every feed. There's constant instruction in how you are, who you are as a human and how this world is and who God is or isn't. So if you're not pursuing the knowledge of God as a husband, you will be influenced and discipled in the knowledge of yourself and your wife and your marriage and your role according to the futile and ignorant ways of your forefathers handed down, which you've been saved from if you're in Christ. Peter's spoken in just those terms. That's why I'm using that language. And it's sad. We are sad to have lived in ignorant ways. And we're sad for our neighbors that walk in ways that are ignorant of, of God and the world, in some ways that are not so obvious, in some ways that are really obvious. But you, Christian friend, don't need to compare yourself with your wife's knowledge if she has more of it uh, in the scriptures. But immerse yourself in the word of God and consume yourself with God himself. And God will grow you in the true knowledge of him. And one day you'll know him perfectly. I don't know if you're a man who grew up in the church and you've got a lot of Bible in your head. Well, maybe you've hardened your heart against God by not doing anything with that knowledge and that's a different task and so you need to know yourself. All this is just to say that the first stop in the business of being a more godly husband, a better husband, is to grow in the knowledge of God. Chief of which is not merely the knowledge of the way that he made us as male and female, husband and wife, but the way that he has saved us to come and accept that as beautiful and good and true. So the first stop for you is to become a Christian through the knowledge of God, to live with a wife in an understanding way, a way according to knowledge is according to the knowledge 
the knowledge of God in the first place. There's a second kind of knowledge this involves. So husbands, live with your wives in, in a way that accords with the knowledge of women. How about that? The knowledge of women. Now, thankfully, we're good at acquiring knowledge. And uh, you can get to know women by being around them to some extent. You can get to know what women are like by being around your wife. Um, you can research a little bit of like the difference between the women's brains, which is very interesting. Um, apparently, the, the, the male brain is 10% larger when you account for, for typical body size, uh, which means we should be a little smarter, guys. So it's 10% larger. The, the female brain, uh, there's more talking between the left and the right lobes. In the male brain, there's more talking between the front and the back. Uh, there were long articles on this, and I couldn't really comprehend most of it because of my... I'm not using enough of my brain. Uh, but I could, like, that directional piece, that made sense to me. And apparently, the male brain, the way that it works uh, and interacts with itself uh, is, is built for motor skills, um, certain kinds of perception. The female brain is built for intuition and analysis. Our brains even are made differently by God's beautiful, gracious, wise design. Uh, little baby infants, you got an infant's one day old. Uh, I, I wonder what this test, was, how they even did this test, but apparently at one day old, a male infant and a female infant will respond differently to a cry of distress. So the little baby girl responds to that and there's nothing in the guy. And I can, I can testify that this is true. Um, when I hear myself talk out loud sometimes when Christy is sick or when I observe my children, I'll talk about them for a moment. So when Carson and Madeline were little things, um, I have a memory of uh, working on my, my mountain bike in the family room, spinning the tire, and there's a little brake mechanism back there, which is basically a blade. And I sliced my finger open and caught it and hollered and went over to the couch and didn't want to look at it. And immediately Madeline, this is before she could speak, disappears. And she comes back with stuffed animals, a blanket, and socks, and she's just dropping them on me. My son is laughing his head off. <laughs> Neither of them could speak yet. This is exactly what went down. And it's kind of funny now that they're a little older because as we've adopted, you know that my oldest two are six months apart and my youngest two are four months apart. So you almost have a twin study situation, different genders both. Uh, and now the youngest come in to wake up Madeline yesterday morning. And Nora, of course, is all into the, are you sick right now? So the feeling the forehead and like checking on you. My son comes in and crawls up on the bed and jumps on her head. So God has made the man and the woman different. Now, they're not always different in the same ways, plenty of exceptions. But as a general pattern, yeah, you've got the into the sick temperature taking thing and you've got the into trucks and anything that's got the wheel thing with my son god has just made us different in different cultures and times and homes that will express itself in different ways there are no hard casts here but there are undeniable biological observable tendencies that we all recognize and know full well well there's another kind of knowledge Husbands, live with your wives in a way that accords with the knowledge of your specific wife. Now, every wife is a little different. You'll be tempted to live with your wife in a way that accords with your perfect knowledge of who she should be and how she should be a little more like this and how she should be a little bit like this. And maybe your temptation is mine. You, you kind of take a composite of all the very best uh, insights or capabilities of, of any other wife and you create a Voltron wife in your mind that is this super wife version. And then you, you compare your, your wife with her strengths and weaknesses to this imaginary, in, like there, it doesn't exist. Uh, so beware your temptations to live with your wife in a way uh, that is in accord with you, then your perfect knowledge of what she should be like and all of, her, all of the things she should have and all the things that she, she shouldn't have. No, the command here isn't, 
hey guys, maybe she'll get a little better at these things, but go ahead and live with her in an understanding way. And, you know, maybe you can chip away at some of these things and, you know, help her with this. No, it's live with her in an understanding way. Live with her in a way that accords with your knowledge of her, your wife. So what does your wife like? What makes your wife sad? What frustrates her? What frustrates her about you? How's her day going? You know, that's a good place to start. Next to seeking the Lord every day would be to seek your wife every day. Maybe you come home and if she, whatever day she's had working in the home or outside and you come home from work and you say, how was your day? And uh, it occurs to me, I'm kind of in the habit of coming home and playing with, <laughs> playing with kids. So I need to make a stop with my wife before I get on to all the other things that go on at home. Uh, how was your day? And I had a friend, he, his old pattern was uh, all the kids were to disappear when he walked in the house. This isn't a bad idea. And he'd have a glass of wine with his wife and they'd spend a half an hour just talking about the day. That's sort of how they closed the day down or at least the working day down on their way into to dinner. So maybe for you it's a soda or a glass of milk or do whatever you want. But to have a conversation of about a half an hour with your wife over how her day went, that's, that's better than learning CSS or Python or Ruby or how to catch a fish. You can do all that stuff. How about study her? But to do that, you'll have to spend time with her and you'll have to listen to her. You'll have to talk with her. And it probably won't help if your phone is within reach. Use that new focus feature. I've got some friends, like send him a text and it says, he's not receiving notifications right now. I'm like, oh, good for him, he's home. So take advantage of that kind of help even on your device, but maybe leave it in a little drawer by the front door, which is what I do on my better days. Not every day, as your, my kids will holler at me about. And as Christy says nothing about, find a place for the phone, find a place for your attention, and ask your wife how her day went. And learn over time what makes her sad, what makes her happy, what frustrates her. Maybe just learn the facts of the day. And maybe there is no meaning to the facts. But the facts happened, and they were her facts, and they're good for you to know. Because you're her husband. So live with your wives in a way that accords with the knowledge of God, the knowledge of women and how they are, and with the knowledge of your specific your specific wife. Well, here's the second job you've got, guys. Honor the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, this sounds kind of goofy in the English. So live with your wives in an understanding way. Honor the woman, the woman. Honor the woman in an under, in, as the weaker vessel. Well, this is getting at something that's happening in the Greek This is the only instance in the New Testament where a particular word is used for woman. It's not the word typically translated wife. Uh, It is translated more specifically the feminine one. So, So live with your wife in an understanding way and you show honor to the feminine one as the weaker vessel. Now, whoa, 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 you're saying here. I'm stronger than my husband. Fair enough. Uh, If the Lord were to make you pregnant, he would be stronger than you in a matter of time. Uh, And that's God's design. There are ways in which men are typically stronger and women are typically weaker. We don't want to assume we know what he's talking about here, though. This is an ancient text. So let's meditate a little bit on what this could possibly, possibly mean. Well, in the first place, we know that it's true. So, so whatever Peter means that women are the weaker vessel, Christian, be wholeheartedly ready to receive it. Ladies, men, some of you are like, yeah, preach it. Women are weaker. Some of you women are saying that because you know that God's word speaks about women and men in different ways and we're getting so much wind in the other direction on this right now. And some of you are very resistant to this. Uh, Let us accept whatever the word of God says as truth. Now, understanding what it means takes a little bit of work. But that's the first thing I'd want to say about it. The second thing is, it's probably obvious because he doesn't argue for it. 
He doesn't say, well, I'm the weaker vessel now. By that, what I mean is, and we really don't have a lot of material on this. He seems, he seems to be appealing to something that's just obvious on the face of it. He speaks from the assumption. He doesn't make the argument that they are the weaker vessel. It is his argument for why you should honor the woman, which leads me to my third observation here, that whatever kind of weakness it is, it is an honorable weakness. It is, a, it is a weakness that elicits a certain esteem and a certain handling and a certain care and a certain honor. Now, there are some things that are weak in this world that are weak and therefore they are dishonorable to be discarded. We've been breaking a lot of glasses at our house recently. And, uh, you know, we're not going to buy those glasses again. And you know what? Just throw the rest of them, <laughs> throw the rest of them away. Weak glasses, come on. You should be able to drop it on the ground or at least send it to the dishwasher. They don't always make it alive out of that. I think it's the dishwasher, it's the water hitting them. They're so weak. So that's how we talk about this round of glasses that we've, we've purchased. But then you've got fine china. And you put that on display and it's in a case you handle it with care and you don't stack the plates too high and when you're done you put them back it's a it's a kind of weakness that is its strength it's a kind of weakness that is inherent to the nature of the thing and it's a kind of weakness that invites and elicits honor in proper handling now, maybe you've lived in a castle with jewels. Uh, I've never lived in a castle with jewels, but you put the jewels in the castle in some inner place and you put walls around the jewels and you put a big wall around the castle and so the castle has strong walls all the way around it and the precious and vulnerable jewels are on the, in, are on the inside. Now, you think of kids precious in a car. Shoot, even think of how many sperm men have and how delicate and precious and rare, as they are timed, the egg of a lady. In so many ways, there are differences here. And there is a description here of weakness, the weaker, the weaker vessel that we are to meditate on if we're to love and honor our wives as we And it's in understanding men and women. It's in husbands understanding the nature of this weakness and women embracing this as God's way that will draw out of the man and call the man to his proper role. It's actually not my experience in pastoring that men are more, that, that we have more trouble with men um, abusing authority and being cruel on a spectrum, all of us husbands will be harsh at times. I'm not saying it's appropriate. I'm saying that, that we will struggle to abuse our authority and abdicate our authority. And we always need to be working to be godly and to obey these commands. Where there is physical abuse and profound negligence, sisters seek out a family member, a dad, a, a brother, an elder, Elders are happy to address these things in firm and no uncertain terms because this is basic Christian discipleship for all of our husbands who are members here. But my own experience is not that the greater problem is the abuse of the role, but negligence. I was doing some Googling around and uh, sometimes you'll do a little search and it'll say, I don't even remember what I put in. It'll say, here's some related searches. So here's some related searches. How to motivate your husband without nagging. How to make your, motivate your husband to make more money. How to motivate your husband in his career. How to motivate your man to be successful. Uh, words of encouragement for a husband during hard times. Uh, my husband has no motivation. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. You see, there are women searching the internet for help to how to get the guy to get off the chair to put the video game down, to go get a job. Parents praying for their boy to go find a lady, to get out of the house. Uh, That is not an untypical, it's a frequent problem in in our own age. 
a proper understanding of the difference between men and women, a husband and a wife, is basic for men to grow into their assignment from the Lord to love and to lead and to protect and to provide. So men and women, we need this. What do we know from the page already? We know that it's true. We know that it must probably is obvious. We know that it's the kind of weakness that is honorable and invites honor. And we know that we need to hear it. Uh, Men apparently need to hear this. We're given commands that match our vulnerabilities. And he's been very efficient here in talking to the men. So it must mean that he picked the thing he thought we generally needed to hear. Apparently, we must be vulnerable to not living with our wives in an understanding way and to not honoring the woman as the weaker vessel, or to put it differently, to use our strength for harm, not to care for them with our strength. Men are naturally competitive. This is how God has made us. And so whether it's at war, whether it is at work, whether it is in athletics, uh, we're good at identifying a weakness in our competition. And then what do we do with that weakness? We exploit that weakness and we destroy the competition. (laughs) That is not what we do, men, with our wives. Your strength at work and at war and on on the athletic field is uh, is perfectly used for the exploitation of the weaknesses of your opponent and their destruction in context. At home, your strength is not to be used to exploit your wife's weaknesses and to destroy her in any fashion. Your strength is there for her. Your strength is her strength. You are her castle if she's, you're married to you. So husbands, let's reflect on the types of weaknesses that I think that this entails. Commentators are typically will pick one they think it is and then argue against the others. I don't know. They all seem right to me. So, you know, take, take your pick or take them all. But I think this is encompassing. So husbands, your wife, remember that your wife is physically weaker than you are. So use your strength physically to protect her. Your wife is emotionally weaker than you. So use your emotional strength to stabilize her. I'm speaking in general patterns here. And the ground for that would be the verses just before this passage. Where he speaks to women and appeals them to appeals to them to look to the example of Sarah, Abraham's wife, who called her husband Lord. And uh, look with me here to ver- chapter three, verse six. Helpful just to get your eyes on this. You know where it's coming from. Verse five: For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good. <laughs> And do not fear anything that is frightening. And then immediately the next verse, he's telling husbands to love their wives in an understanding way and to honor them as the weaker vessel. I think there's a relationship here. Live with your wives in an understanding way. In other words, when she's afraid and she has anxieties and she is concerned about the future in ways that you aren't and she's concerned about the present in ways you aren't and the neighbors in ways that you aren't, You don't need to correct her or chastise her or be harsh with her when you don't understand how she's feeling and why she's feeling this way. And typically, as the genders go, she will be more anxious and more fearful. That's why I think Peter has written to them exactly those words in verse 6. But you're to understand your wife and to comfort her and reassure her, listen to her and be with her her in those things. And in this way, honoring her with your strength physically, but also your strength emotionally, to the extent the Lord has given it to you, look to him for strength. I have a good friend in our congregation, he and his wife are 
uh, good and busy with hospitality. And uh, I just commended them for it at one point a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, just how cool and calm and easy. Uh, uh, now you all are going to be wondering who I'm talking about or if it's you. And don't, don't even try. Um, and he just said, my job is to be a calming presence. So his wife is very strong in her role. And, but it doesn't come off as muscular strength, but as loving caring strength, reaching out to neighbors and reaching out to church members. And his little indication there was that his part and the strength that he brings to the marriage is really absorbing anxieties and fears and helping his wife. He said, my job is to be a calming presence. And I thought, that's actually really good. Wives and husbands can pair in different ways, temperamentally, extrovert, introvert, more talkative, less talkative, quiet strength, more gregarious. There's all kinds of combinations. You don't need to think in a, a very simple way about this. But there is a way that husbands and wives can work together. And in a, as a husband grows to know his wife, my observation has been the strongest women in the church in context of their roles in a godly way have actually the strongest men in their roles In other words, strength is breeding strength. And where you have a man who is strong in his role, but in an ungodly way, he's strong but harsh, he's strong but muscular, he's strong but overbearing or negligent. But in this case, where he's strong in an ungodly way, he actually crushes his wife and discourages his wife and she she becomes small. Where a man neglects his wife, where he doesn't provide emotional strength and physical strength. Often you have what appears like a strong woman, but really it's a lot of talk and she's electric, like don't touch her. You don't know what will happen. And her joy and presence and sociability turns quickly into gossip and slander because he's not leading within his home. Each, Each gender, males and females, have typical patterns that they, that they follow. And there are exceptions to all of them. In my observation, pastorally, is where you have a strong man in his way, in his godly way, in his role, you actually get a strong woman. And that looks very different in different marriages. But strength in both cases is how I would describe it. So when a husband is honoring the woman, the feminine one in his relationship as the weaker vessel, she is actually stronger for it as she is supported and suited for her purpose in that marriage and in the church and in the community. So husbands, honor your wife as the one who is physically weaker, as the one who is emotionally weaker. I think this is relevant too. As the one who is positionally weaker. So within God's plan, he made Adam first and then Eve. He made Eve as the helpmate for Adam. We talked about this last week. That says something to us about their equality before God of dignity, but also the man's insufficiency apart from her as it was not good apart from a wife to help him and her sufficiency and how God has made these things to fit in marriage. In the context of the Christian home, the husband, according to the word of God, is the head of the wife and he is the head of his home. He bears a unique responsibility for how these things go. And so understanding that the woman's role is to submit herself to her husband, husbands now get a command not to misunderstand how they are to use that real spiritual authority. The wife is in the weaker position given her role in the home. And so you don't abuse that, but use your strength to complete her and support her, to draw her out. Remember the imagery of fine china. This is your great purpose. Well, this command here, remember, assumes that this is difficult for us men. It is not so simple, but that's why we've been given this in such simple, straightforward terms. It's like you can memorize this Bible verse. This is your Bible verse for the week. But motivations are important, and he hasn't left us without motivations Plenty of motivation here in the second half. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So husbands, you have two jobs, and husbands, you have two 
motivations. And like so many things, you can't get about the job without proper motivation. You've got all the women online, how can I motivate my husband? Here's God's motivation for us, guys, as we need to grow in being godly husbands, to recognize that our wives are heirs with us of the grace of life, and to recognize that our prayers are hindered when we don't obey this command from our Lord. We have a a motivation here that is rooted in what we have received together from the Lord as a couple, and a motivation here rooted in our relationship with God, and I'll even say as a couple. The first motive for using our strength to honor our wife, which can be difficult for us, is that we are heirs together of the grace of life. And this has an a humbling element to it, an equalizing element to it, an elevating element to it. Remember, husbands, that your wife is with you. The cross and the knowledge of God as our creator levels the the ground before us. You are the head of your home, but your wife is not under you, but alongside you, even as God made Eve from Adam's side. And so remember that she's with you and that the literature in the Roman world and the Greco-Roman world doesn't include words like this about wives and women and to couples, but this word of God speaks to us in just this way. It levels us and husbands, remember she's with you and she is also a recipient with you of the grace of life. For the sun came up and you woke up with a beating heart and you're breathing air right now and all of that is of grace. You don't get credit for any of that. And you and your wife receive those gifts just the same. But even more, and I think what he's speaking of here is the grace of eternal life based on how he's spoken of grace and how he's spoken of life so far in this book. So if you and your wife are both in Christ, you are brothers and sisters in the Lord First, any temptation you maybe have to lord it over your wife is dealt with by the recognition that both of you are great sinners and the recipients of great grace from God. Are you tempted, husband, to be harsh with your wife when she sins against you? And she does and will. And her spiritual weaknesses will recognize that you are an heir of the grace of life. And you didn't earn it, but it is of God's grace to you. Husband, are you discouraged that you aren't the husband you ought to be? And a sermon like this makes you feel, well, like you can't do it. Well, recognize that any growth as a husband starts with grace. The first thing that you need is not more willpower. The first thing that you need is the grace of God. And so while the ground beneath us has been leveled, you, friend, have been humbled. And if you're feeling humbled under these commands this morning, well, praise God for that. Let that drive you to the grace of God. Let that drive you to ask for God to give you what only he can give, a transformation of your heart and your posture toward and your relationship with your wife. And maybe your marriage is in such a place that it's very hard to imagine things getting better. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You can do that now. Uh, Honor her as the weaker vessel. That means taking responsibility on yourself. And do so because she's an heir with you of the grace of life. Just consider what you have received. And may God overwhelm you with the knowledge of his grace today so that you may get about loving your wife today. And look at this word heirs, since they are heirs with you of the grace of God. You and your wife, if you're in Christ, are royalty. As image bearers, you're royalty in this world. But if you're a son and a daughter of heaven, oh, how marvelous are you in God's plan? And how marvelous is your wife, your sister in Christ, in God's eyes? See her as a daughter of heaven, as a princess, as a queen. 
when you consider all of this, this matter of grace especially, I can't help but suggest to you men as the leaders in your homes that you should go first in the matter of forgiveness and confession. I admit that this is difficult. Uh, I can say to myself, I have a hard time coming around or I need some time. And it is just our responsibility, guys, to take the first step and saying, I'm sorry. We're having this hard conversation and it's as harsh and hard as it is because of me. Uh, Will you forgive me? Um, it's just your wives. If your husband won't take the first step and you've sinned against him, you must ask forgiveness and you must confess your sin and you live before God before you live with your husband. So take it. But husbands, let me get you to take that step first and say, I'm sorry and ask forgiveness. You're a recipient of the grace of life. And when you are consumed with the knowledge of God, which we've talked about and the grace of God to you in salvation, you'll be in a place to, to ask forgiveness. Another thing that this will stir us to do when we consider her weakness and all that we've received is to praise her for all that she is for you. For part of God's grace to you in this life, if you're a married person, is your spouse, is your, is your wife. So honor the woman as the weaker vessel since she is an heir with you of the grace of life. Consider all that God has given to you. Well, the first motive for using our strength, men, to honor our wives is that we are together heirs of the grace of life. And now a motivation that doesn't concern what we've received from God, but concerns our relationship with God. And that motivation has to do with the hindrance of our prayers. And I'll add as a couple, this word here, so that your prayers may not be hindered, is plural. In other words, what he's saying, I think, is uh, love, love with your wives and honor the feminine one since they're heirs with you in the grace of life so that y'all's prayers won't be hindered. It doesn't come over in English so well, but we down here know how to translate better than the ESV translators. I think this happened in the Chicago area. Love Chicago, but we don't have a word, word for the plural you. There are two ways I think our prayers are hindered, men, when we don't honor our wives and we don't live with them according to knowledge. There's a hindrance happening in heaven and there's a hindrance happening down here. Well, in the first place, God doesn't hear the prayers of a hypocrite. Oh, he's omnipresent and omniscient and he he knows what you're praying, but he doesn't hear it, shall I say, the same way when you've spoken harshly with his daughter And then you speak to him like everything's okay. This is convicting for a husband. And there's a hindrance down here as well, well, where you are. So up in heaven and down here. Because it's hard to pray with your wife when, when you've neglected her. You haven't cared for her. You haven't tended to her. You've frustrated her. Or if you've been harsh with her, isn't it? When you're honest, it's hard to pray in those situations. I think the hindrance is is spiritual in relationship to God in heaven as in God hears you differently, but I also think it hinders you in the fact that it's just harder to pray and you won't go to prayer when you're in sin against your closest companion and and neither will you as naturally pray together. And so men, it starts with you, honor your wives, live with them in an understanding way since they're heirs with you of the grace of life and because you don't want your prayers to be hindered. And take encouragement. He's appealing to us, believing that we want prayers that are heard by God and we want to pray. And actually, I think in this room, there are men who want to pray more faithfully, but they find themselves ashamed because of their performance as a husband to pray. And and, and that you want to pray with your wife, but you find that difficult and awkward in part because it can be difficult and awkward. Like a lot of things that you aren't used to doing but learn to do, like CSS and HTML and Java. You can learn. You can get used to it. But it can also be difficult because of our own sin, can't it? So here's uh, three encouragements for you on the basis of this, this passage in the last two weeks, actually. First, a question for wives. Does your husband know that you respect him? Respect your husband in such a way that he will know that even as he's not obeying the word and failing, that he has the respect at a basic level of his wife. 
Husbands, does your wife know that you know her? And would your wife say that you honor her? Does she feel honored by you? And I'll just add feel there because you're to live with her in an understanding way. She does kind of get to decide. And how might you take a step today to grow in, in this? And then how about an encouragement for couples? Do you pray together? And if not, why not? That's just worth ruminating together on and maybe you'd talk about that. And if not, why not, why not pray together today before the day is out? I'm going to make it easy. You can pray together for 30 seconds. You can go up from there. And uh, don't worry about the time. A short prayer uh, is enough to please the Lord and to bless your wife. And, and then we'll keep it easy here too. So we've talked about grace. We're the recipients of grace in life. So a simple prayer about the grace that God has shown to you, words of thanks and confession and thankfulness and praise for the cross, and then a simple prayer to ask him for more grace. And maybe that's more grace to pray more comfortably and more faithfully together. Simple prayer, 30 seconds, 15 seconds for the first one, 15 seconds for the second one, and go from there. When I moved here, there was a couple that emailed me a few weeks after I moved here in 2017. A couple paragraph email said they were praying for Christy and I, and uh, they do to this day. I bumped into them a few weeks ago. And um, I love them, and you are the fruit in some ways of the prayers of people in faraway places. Our salvation is, our, our church is, and of married couples who pray together whose prayers aren't hindered because the husbands honor their wives and live with them in an understanding way. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this passage and pray for help now and the grace to obey it. Uh, you are a gracious God and a good God and you've given us the grace of life. And some of us are stronger and some of us are weaker some of us are married and some of us are not, but Father, all of us needed this passage today. And we pray we'd be a church found faithful, full of husbands who, who honor their wives and love their wives and listen to their wives and know their specific wives well. And we'd be a church full of wives that respect and esteem and submit themselves to their husbands. And we do all of this uh, because we know all that we've received in the grace of Jesus and that you'd hear our prayers. In Christ's name we pray, amen.